Hi there, I'm Guy Kilty and welcome to another episode of Creative Forces. This episode features a really interesting interview with Rowan Hoban and Sarah Bird. Now, in 2009, they spotted a gap in the market for family-friendly festivals and they decided to create the Just So Festival together. Uh, and just under a decade later, uh, the festival's gone on to win multiple awards and through the umbrella organisation Wild Rumpus, Rowan and Sarah organise events all around the world now from their horse box office in the uh, Whirligig Woods in Cheshire. A lovely place it is too. Uh, in this episode, which was recorded in the woods in one of their caravans, Rowan and Sarah tell me how a chance meeting led to them starting their business, what makes their partnership work so well, and why being outdoors fuels their creativity. And just so you know, the first voice that you'll hear uh, in the interview, apart from mine, is Rowan's. Okay, so it feels like the the place we have to start is talking about this place, where we are. So just tell me, I mean, the, we've got the birds tweeting, we're in, we're in a caravan, in a, in a field, basically, aren't we, or in a, a clearing. Just tell me about this place, where you're based, and what have we got around? Yeah, sure. So we are in the Whirligig, which is our woodland base. Uh, we've got four acres of woodland, um, and we can see out the window, we can see the bluebells are just starting to peek through. Uh, we're in... Um, a clearing in the woods there are some vintage caravans a shepherd's hut our horse box that we work from um and that's your office is it the horse that's box? our office yeah 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 so it's uh in the summer it's lovely because we can all spill out there's 12 of us working now so in the summer we can all kind of spill out onto the back and into the meadow but on a rainy day it's quite cozy <laughs> and we've also got a tree house and uh some compost toilets that are just about acceptable yeah um and yeah, we've been here about five years now. And how did you decide on this place? And how did you get hold of this this site? So we, um, from setting up Just So Festival, which we'll talk about in a little while, mm. uh, we um, were banging on constantly about how important it was to work outdoors, to be outdoors. We thought it was so vital for creativity uh, and engagement in the arts. That it was just so much more more memory making and wonderful to do that in wild green landscapes um, and we talk about this constantly and then go back to our small office in a lock up behind <laughs> Quickwick and Mac Macclesfield which however much uh, bunting and fairy lights we threw at it was never going to be this kind of incredibly charming place so we were talking about it all the time and um, it just seemed at one point to just make sense let's practice what we preach let's get out there let's go into the woods yeah I think we thought if there's these all these health and well-being and creativity benefits of being outdoors then why were we still working in an office and I think it's only because that's so the norm isn't it that you work in office spaces that it doesn't occur to you necessarily to think why aren't I working in the countryside I mean obviously it's a beautiful place everybody knows that so yeah. so why aren't we all there a little bit more and I think there's something about modern technology liberating us and allowing us to be able to work anywhere you know we don't we no longer need to go to a place where there's a a computer and all of that office equipment and stuff you know we can take our devices with us and work in a woodland up a mountain down the canal where, wherever at the beach and i think a lot of that kind of working in towns and cities always that's where all offices tend to be based and what kind of the places of work is less about the practicalities now and more about that kind of tradition of it and people feel like that's the sense of what that's how it happens i mean um like Sarah said, it's you know you've got your laptop in your backpack and you really can be anywhere. And this is where we wanted to be. And I think it 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 
as soon as we moved in here, as soon as we started working here, it just changed the way we worked. So yeah, I was going to say, has it made a big difference to what you do and how you, the sort of outcomes of what you're yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah, I think, and it's it's slightly intangible things, but there's a definite sense that it has made all of our conversations and general kind of attitudes to work more ambitious and we're I think slightly less risk averse than we were I think we're bolder and um, I think that's something about the space around us are there any examples of that that you can think of where you've you know you've done something differently because you've been here so I think there's things like um there's a lot to do with our relationships with other people with our stakeholders volunteers artists um work closely with our artists developing new work in the outdoors for predominantly for families but not always um and we'd commissioned work before when we were working indoors working in an office and we'd have um commission a new piece of work meet the artists maybe go to their workshop have a couple of phone calls but it, there was always a distance between what they were doing and our involvement and I think that that has completely transformed with being here because people can come here, spend time in the woods, develop their work here. But also from their point of view, what is surprising to lots of people is lots of work that's created for street theatre or outdoor art is actually made indoors. And sometimes the first time it's outdoors is when it's first performed, which seems mad. Um, And so the kind of depth and authenticity of the work that's coming out of our commissioning process has just changed massively. Yeah, and there's something about the space and the time. Because you're not sitting with a laptop in front of you and you haven't got like a tight schedule or an agenda in front Mm. of you, there's something much more free-flowing about having a meeting sitting around a campfire, (laughs) you know, that that actually it's more of a conversation and more of an exploratory process rather than a kind of this is what we're going to achieve out of this. And that's definitely... So we have lots of volunteers who work for us and they... um, uh, previous used to come onto our events and it was quite a fleeting experience that they'd have with us. I mean, they'd work like dogs all <laughs> all weekend. And, and have then, a magical creative experience. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, 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 that as well. <laughs> but now they can come here and have like camping weekends in advance and we can get to know them and we can get to know their motivations for volunteering and we can give more back. And it's much more of a relationship, isn't it? Yeah, which means that then uh, when we're looking at kind of... Uh, looking for new producers or programmers or to build our pool of, of people that we work with then we kind of know already from our cohort of volunteers who might be interested in being developed and doing some training and it just feels like a really nice organic process yeah. whereas before it was a little bit more yeah, yeah. Sarah said fleeting and some of those networks that we're in we're in loads of networks <laughs> um whether that's like outdoor arts networks or family theater networks or and and i know there was um We've been meeting in the same kind of uh, theatre venues and office spaces and stuff for years. And then when we moved here and invited some of those networks to come and sit around the campfire and have an overnight. And it, we'd had very similar conversations ongoing for years, you know, where you come round to the very same things. And I think bringing those conversations here, it changed it changed everybody's perspective and people it felt like a new conversation because it was outdoors mm. it felt like there were new relationships developed like things went off and on on a different tangent and yeah there was a, a, a very definite sense that it it felt really different to talk yeah in, in that space than it did you in don't a you don't want to say blue sky thinking because it's <laughs> so dry, but it is kind of like 
it feels like there are less restrictions because mm. it's literally a blue sky. Yeah. Occasionally. People dream, a, people dream a little bit more when they're yeah, outdoors, I think they though, do, don't yeah. they? You think, yeah, they yeah. dream sure. bigger by yeah. being in this space. Absolutely. They, they yeah. think bigger. Yeah. yeah, and I think from our point of view, I think it's interesting because I think what, like Sarah was saying, things felt more possible. And I think part of that is that we, because we did this, because we said we were in an office and then we were talking about how we wanted to work in a woodland and now we're working in a woodland i think the process that's come about people kind of feel like that i don't know that it that kind of shift is quite a big deal and a big i don't know a big that you need a certain kind of opportunity or tons of money or i don't know some lots of things to happen to to be able and actually i think one of the reasons why we think things are more possible is because we've kind of done this and it felt oh actually we just did this mm. one mm. of the things we talk about quite a lot is that you kind of have an idea or a, a ambition like we had to move and start working outdoors you just start talking about it and start talking to people about it all the time and the more you talk about it the more you believe it's going to happen because the more you're telling other people so you become convinced and it becomes instead of becoming kind of like a up in the air thing that might happen one day potentially 20 years down the line it becomes something that might happen in six months yeah and we start talking between us about the day in which at which it will happen it will happen and it becomes a more tangible and just think i mean here it was a case of you know we talk about the horse box that we wanted and we wanted it to be we were quite specific it was a nice wooden body it needed to look beautiful vintage um and we were talking about that and then someone who does the teepees for the festival we were talking about it to them and they were like oh i've got a horse box just like that and we were like oh that's great but we've got no money and he was like oh that's fine i want to get rid of it give me a bit now give me a bit later we'll do it in installments and it just feels like you create a bit of momentum i've heard this from other people as well actually this idea that if you if you believe something is going to happen or you tell yourself and you tell other people it's going to happen yeah. and you just you almost act as if it is going to happen then it happens there's a, then it does yeah. happen. there's, a, there's a natural momentum mm. and if it's a good idea and you talk about it enough then there will be other people who will come on board with it who will help you make it happen as well i think that's one of the things that we yeah. say to our volunteers is if you've got an idea and it's a good idea and the more you talk about it the more you hone it down to the nub of like mm. actually what, what, it is, what really yeah. works about it then other people, if it is a good idea, will get on board and help yeah, you sure. make that, you know, become a reality. And as soon as, as soon as, almost as soon as you've got one under your belt, mm. as soon as you've done that, gone through that process once, then you just think, well, then anything's possible, isn't it? <laughs> What's next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, but definitely. It, there's a, there's a sense that actually we we can make things happen. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Because I think it's similar with our because we've got uh, Just So Festival, which takes place in the UK, now takes place in Brazil as well, and also in New Zealand. And I think that was a similar kind of a process. We were having a conversation with producers from Brazil via email that I think could have gone on for 10 years, just kind of <laughs> like, you know, oh, maybe at some point mm. if we get mm. some funding, if this happens, if that happens. And then it, the kind of came point where we're like, well, we'll just do it. Should we do it? Just it's do a it. weird thing, isn't it? Because I think people say to you, you know, uh, so how come you, how come you started working internationally mm. and want to know kind of like what are the processes that you would go through to start working what internationally? What was your five-year business and plan so, that got you to the point where you were international? And it's, so, <laughs> and it's so hard to say how you would go about working internationally because it just kind of happened. Yeah. And I know it doesn't just happen, but I think the more conversations that you have, the more you tell your story... And that's that conversational thing, isn't it? But the more you tell your story and in the more different ways, then the more likely it is that other people will hear your story and want to be involved with it. And that's definitely how the Brazil thing happened, was that, you know, they they found some images or some pictures on Pinterest or social media or somewhere and came to us and said, can we talk about this? And who was that that uh, came to you? So some producers in Brazil. They'd literally like stumbled across a few photographs mm-hmm. on Pinterest mm-hmm. and thought, that looks cool, clicked on them, 
ended up on the website thought wow that looks amazing we want to do that got in touch said we'd like to do something like that in Brazil and we said great well if we can help in any way shape or form let us know and you know we could talk to you about our experiences and then they said well actually we'd love it to be kind of an offshoot we'd love it to be just a festival in Brazil at which point um, I think we talked to our relationship manager at the Arts Council who said, oh, you know about the Artist International Development Fund? Well, produced and programmers can apply as well. So we put in some funding, got, got ourselves to got Brazil and did a, yeah. a load of consultation and site visits and fell in love with the place and the producers out there. And, and then actually it was, a, it was as part of that process because... For the evaluation for the Arts Council, we we, we commit, committed to writing a blog about the experience of being in Brazil. And then somebody in New Zealand saw that blog mm. and was like, oh, well, if you'll do it in Brazil with them, would you do it in New Zealand with me? And and that's that thing about telling your story yeah, yeah. And, and telling your story in as many different ways as possible and other people being captivated by that story and wanting to come on that journey with you. And I think that's the case for all of the things that we do, you know. That it's and also we're, we're completely gung-ho in that we're absolutely... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculously <laughs> over-ambitious. Over-ambitious, over-optimistic, yeah. totally gung-ho. Always. We generally are kind of like, oh, yeah, that sounds a great idea. Of Let's course we can sure. do it. We can Why do wouldn't it we? Next month? Yeah, why not? So what was that experience like, taking the brand you know, and the, the concept to places like Brazil and to New Zealand, you know, yeah. seeing it work so it, in the I mean, same way over there. So, I mean, for both festivals, by the, by the point it's gotten to the festival, it, what's incredible is the similarities in terms of um, the engagement that the family audience has with the arts. They leap into it. The audiences are so enthusiastic and incredible. They are in different cultural contexts, and you can feel that. But I think what is we've kind of noticed the similarities more than the differences, I guess. Mm. And it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible to be. We just had New Zealand in February to be on the uh, literally on the other side of the world and see families oh, yeah, doing it's, it's, tribal it's, tournament like mm. the families do here. It's it's dressing up, yeah, throwing it's themselves into it. It's incredible. Pin, pinch yourself, kind of stuff. Like, is this yeah. really happening? How how did that happen from a little idea yeah. we had mm. nine years ago? And, and we say, and we say all the time, like, I'd love us, us then, nine, nine years ago, us, I'd love to like just parachute them in because they would be, their minds would be blown. Yeah, wouldn't they? To see what yeah, you, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's, no, we yeah. have, there's no way we would have I think we it. stop and do that every few years. We go, imagine telling ourselves back then that, you know, I very clearly remember a moment in about, it might have been 2012, so we were a few years in and the Guardian were coming on as a media partner for the festival. Mm. And um, I remember thinking, wow, if you told us a few years ago, we'd have the Guardian as our media partner, just as with, with our idea of having a, a small festival, you know, and, and it would probably predominantly be friends and family and friends yeah. of friends. Mm. And, and then it just gathered this momentum and this identity of its own and, and people, you know, came on board. Well, let's just go back to that time. Yeah. Actually. How did you two meet originally? And then how did... Well, let's deal with that first. How did yeah, you meet sure. originally? So we... Um, our kids were in the same year at school. Um, we were in the same book club. Uh, at that time, we kind of had preschool kids and there was a group of mums who used to get together and meet once a week and have lunch. And we were in that same group. I'd say we, were not, we weren't friends No, we didn't really know each other particularly, particularly well. Drawn to I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, it was it was more a kind of group and yeah, and, and we were just yeah part of the same yeah group and then yeah. and at that time we were both working 
you were full time. Yeah, I was working full time in bookselling. Yeah, so what were you doing then, Sarah? So I was a manager of Waterstones bookshops and I've been in bookselling for kind of 15, 16 years and I loved my job. I really loved it. I felt sorry for other people who didn't do my job because I felt like it was, you know, I never I never thought, oh, I really can't be bothered to go to work today. I loved going to work. I loved sharing a passion for reading and storytelling and um yeah I, d- I just I really enjoyed it and it didn't occur to me for a minute that I would ever stop doing that or that I would want another job um yeah and and you whereas were, I was in yeah. science education kind of I'd done lots of education projects working for the people I used to work for the Royal Institution doing their schools lectures um and then I was freelance doing a variety of different projects and I wasn't feeling like I can't imagine myself doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> We'd also, um, I'd had a small business that had gone bust the year before. It was like a little charming little wool shop. Um, and so it definitely felt like I kind of had a gap and a bit of a void. And yeah. So, we, so I think Sarah had just been to Hay Festival. I'd, b- I'd been to Hay and also... And uh, Latitude that and, same summer. And, well, yeah, and I had tickets for Latitude. Uh, my husband was playing in a band there. And some, it was, I think it was just before I went to Hay, someone said to me, well, who's headlining at Latitude? And I said, oh, I don't know, I've no idea because I've not, I've not even looked <laughs> at who's on because I know fine well that I will be in the kids' area doing some crap sticking and gluing and you know and that will be and there'll be a trade-off you know do you want to you can go and see the stuff that's on the main stage or in the comedy tent or whatever and I'll look after the kids and then we'll swap Mm. and I'll do that and you can um and so yeah it felt quite diverting but I just didn't even know the answer to that question and then on the drive to Hale Mai I remember thinking we'd been going to Hale Mai to the literature festival for about 15 years and I remember thinking this is the first year where I've not got a ticket to a single adults event and my husband had a couple of tickets to things but mostly I just had tickets to kids things and the kids festival program at Hay gets better and better every year so you know there's still still some great things to be seen but I just thought isn't it a shame that there's always this separation of him being pulled in one direction and me being pulled in the other and and a trade-off around who's going to spend that time with the kids while the other one does the stuff where the money is actually being spent Mm. and I think at weekend camping festivals I mean it's changed an awful lot now the the that kind of terrain is really different in terms of the family programming um but at that time going to a music festival we all loved that kind of being immersed in a completely different environment it's exciting routines go out the window mm. there's like possibility it's ex- it's an adventure but at the same time the quality of the family program wasn't great once we started going with small children it just it did just feel like you know you were getting kind of some local free theatre group was doing mm. a workshop and it just <laughs> and you know and, and it just make another sock puppet yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah whereas there was like great great stuff going on elsewhere on site but it just wasn't the stuff that was so targeted did you us. see that as a gap in the and market at that time or did you just feel frustration I just, well, that you couldn't oh, yeah, I don't, I don't no think I think we it probably just felt frustration point of view, are we? just frustration really and then at the same time I think where the good stuff was happening that we were doing together as a family was in museums and concert halls and galleries and that I think you probably found easier that, with your <laughs> that Sarah, I was Sarah, going to Sarah, with Sarah, Sarah and three girls who were quite in, in Engaged and quite yeah yeah easy to take places. Right. I had <laughs> some boys who were not easy to take places, so I would take my son Finn in particular out at that time, and he would be wild. I'd be, be climbing the walls, touching everything, breaking stuff, um, shouting, and I would be like holding him behind side and hissing at him. And in terms of like a kind of 
wonderful goosebump moment in the arts that mm. was few and far between, if ever. <laughs> so it was a bit of a, um, a mishmash of those kind of coming to it from those different perspectives and thinking, mm. actually, hang on, there is a there is an idea, there is an idea here. There is a bit of a gap for something that is for the whole family to be engaging in together that is really high quality taking some of that stuff that is happening within those formal arts environments of the museum and the gallery and putting it outdoors where we can all just relax and breathe a bit more deeply and engage on our own terms it's not prescriptive we don't have to sit down we don't have to keep still we don't have to be quiet we can run around we can climb trees and yet we can also <laughs> be doing brilliant art stuff so when did the two of you start talking to each other? Not necessarily about the idea, but just in general. So I feel like in my head, it was kind of like all over one lunchtime. Yes. Well, no, <laughs> but it was all over one lunchtime. I think that's the scary thing is that I... The whole thing I began, would, really. I feel like, I, <laughs> Rowan said, I feel like I need a project. And I said, I think... So you didn't really know each other that no, well? No, 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 no. Just like a random group of mums mm. sit and chat about their kids and yep. books and stuff. And I think we'd never seen each other. It was certainly just the two of us together. No, we wouldn't or we wouldn't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ever have texted you to say, do you want to go for a drink? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I wouldn't have been on the agenda. Do you do now? She still does. Do you know? <laughs> but the... Um, and, so, and so, yeah, so I said, what about this idea of, of a festival? And then, literally, it felt like within the blink of an eye, I as I say because I was quite happy in, in my job and I think also because I wasn't a particularly entrepreneurial person and I didn't see myself as being a particularly creative person either so it was the kind of thing where I would think oh there's a nice idea someone you, should do you that yeah, yeah someone should do that it would not have occurred to me in a million years that that person would be me um and Ron was like oh well let's do it and then, and then, Quick, I'll just and register then, the domain name now. And then, pretty much, she had the site found, the website built, and the tickets on sale before I could catch my breath <laughs> and go, "What? Hang on a minute!" And did you have the name and stuff at that point? Then, what? Did, what was it? What was everything well, called? That, that, that no, came the name came later. The name came after the site because so we used to be at. A, but we did um, find the site really quickly. Really it was quickly. All, it was all really fast. Yeah. So where was the first site? So the first site was um, a scout camp called Barnswood, which is just half an hour outside of Macclesfield, which um, was a really beautiful kind of lots of, uh, it was like a wood with lots of kind of grassy glades cut out of it for scouts to camp in mainly. Um, and it overlooked Rudyard Lake in Staffordshire, which is a really beautiful lake that we've done events at since. Um, and Rudyard Kipling's parents courted at the lake and they called him after the lake. Right. And so we called our festival after, it's just so serious. Makes sense. Yeah, which makes less sense now. <laughs> Seven miles down the road, nowhere yeah. near what Dudley. So, like, so yeah. we had the first two festivals on that site, and it was a bit of a baptism of fire and the and the steepest learning curve you could possibly have imagined. Yeah, like we, were, yeah so, we were incredibly naive. So what? Yeah, this is one thing I was going to ask you yeah. about. You know, you however many years down the road now. What? Yeah. Looking back on those first, say the first <laughs> one and the second one, what are the things that you look back on now that? You really, you know, probably went wrong or yeah. didn't go as well as you wanted them to or you didn't didn't go the way you thought they would go that you've really learnt massively from or what are the big things that stick like, out in your like mind? like the whole, the, the live event. Yeah, the live event. Every single thing <laughs> yeah. was, I mean... We didn't have, we, honestly, was, we didn't have... We didn't have a clue what we were to doing. Say and it was symbolic. Putting <laughs> it lightly, isn't it? And isn't that weird that there was that that we managed to keep that chaos 
under the surface enough that the majority of the audience had a good time and yeah. didn't know so how many people were there at that point? Yeah. Yeah. so there were two and a half thousand people at the first one which and i think <laughs> which is a significant number of people and i think that, that i think the thing is that the idea clearly struck a nerve with people yeah. so when we mark i mean because i think it is easy it was easier then i think to market entirely I mean, we didn't have any budget we didn't have any money so we were marketing it entirely through facebook um organic trying mm. to get people to talk to their yeah. friends about it i really really friends clearly remember really clearly friends. remember the first time someone bought a ticket and neither of us recognized the name like, who is this person <laughs> is that found... your cousin's friend's yeah. mom <laughs> no it's actually it's, actually, it's a real it's audience a real member. <laughs> 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 and how did you um, do with the money did you wait until you had a certain number of tickets sold before you booked people or how did you do it in terms um, of that a bit yeah of, so we yeah. had we had no investment at all and so that ve- i very clear i remember the the first lot of tickets that were sold which were probably to friends yeah um and i'm not i'm not sure we ever do that enough is thanks to those friends yeah, yeah, yeah really sure. helped us kick it off in the beginning right here but right they, now uh, thanks friends yeah yeah <laughs> this is your opportunity yeah <laughs> they um but we used the first ticket sales to buy ourselves some cancellation insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was a really gradual process. So the next person would buy a ticket and we'd book a toilet. The next person would buy a ticket and we'd book a band. And it worked we like that. Yeah, step, because yeah. There, was no, there was no upfront money there from us. We were both mm. Yeah. So it was always going to be the size it was going to be. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the audience was that, which meant that it was a large scale, wonderful event with huge amounts of programming, even in that first year. Oh, it could did, have been. We did could a, have been like four hundred people, and it would have been. It still would have happened. It just would have been much more. I think. Smaller. I think what's funny, actually, looking back on it now, because we would say uh, our audience participate because we, uh, we love participatory <laughs> arts and all that kind of stuff. It started as we kept saying to people, so you know, bring your singing voices, bring your dancing feet, bring your stories to tell around the campfire. If you if you've Dress got, up, you know, yeah. and 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 it, that was mostly because we didn't know if we were going to have enough money to have some programming. <laughs> so we kept trying well, to entertain yeah. yourself. Exactly. To, yeah, we kept trying to convince people that it was part of the charm. It right. was, you know, a bit of a, a handmade festival, Another and everybody would, yeah. everybody would, everybody would bring their own skills to but it, and we'd all great, have a marvelous time together. But then that together. collaboration now is really central to what we do, yeah. and it's a really deliberate thing. So it's interesting yes. that it came from that yeah, place. Yeah, that it being... came from us being a bit skinned yeah. and not having enough money, but we we couldn't engineer it any better because mm. I would say it's one of the most incredible things about Just So Festival is that I think you can't explain to people that atmosphere when your audience are as creative and as engaged as our audience are. You can't tell the difference between the performers and the audience because they all look brilliant and they all throw themselves into it with such gusto and fervor and they dress up and they sing and they dance and it it, it creates an incredible atmosphere on mm. site yeah that really we couldn't that, we, that couldn't, yeah. we couldn't engineer you know it would be really hard yes yeah yeah for sure so yeah and it did go, and we have a really loyal audience i mean mm. yeah like sarah said for them to have stuck with us through those first two years they must have been but people you know that very first year people felt like it was a transformative experience families yeah. came away you know with and I think that's the thing that made us do it again. Hmm. Yeah, because they walked away and went, when are the tickets on sale for next year? When's we, it happening? And we, and we were, were like, like, are you oh, kidding? We are never doing ne- it. <laughs> yeah. I remember, was that genuinely what you thought? I don't ever want to do this again. Yeah, the, the, it, was the lo- it was the longest weekend of my life, that first just so festival. Yeah, even still, and festival I, Saturday is the longest day that yeah, ever happened. And I, and I, I just, I was, just des- <laughs> I was desperate for it to be over, desperate yeah. for it to be over. So the idea of doing it again... But then, but then these people started talking about what an amazing time they'd had, and that audience, yeah, without that 
audience giving us that feedback and and talking to us about well, their experiences. Well, it's, that same never thing, it's, it's, it's almost again. that same thing we were talking about earlier. They all assumed it was happening again mm. and talked yeah. about it as if it was happening again. So it felt a bit like there's no point that we can say. Yeah. Well, well, that's you again. Sort of did it no. sort of go out of your control in a yeah. way? Yeah. You yeah. Felt yeah. You had yeah. To do it. yeah. Yeah. It absolutely had a momentum of its own, and it was only after that first festival that we um, stopped working. Yeah. Uh, that October, wasn't our, it? After the in, festival in, in our summer. current yeah. in our current jobs, and and started working full time on the festival, and that absolutely felt like if we didn't do that, we were selling it short because. Because it was so hard, you know, working full time, having young kids, trying to put on a festival. Yeah. And we were training for a marathon by then as well, <laughs> yeah. weren't we? Just because we didn't have enough on. Yeah, just keep, throw, that, it throw that in the mix. Just, but it was mainly so that we could go and have long conversations without annoying <laughs> yeah. our families. Yeah. Like going on a long training. Yeah. Three and a half hours. That, that first festival, what, what are the things that, that, that stood out in terms of things that went, that didn't go to plan i'm not even sure it's that it didn't go to plan i think it's just that we were out of our depths we mm. were organizing this enormous event we mm. didn't have nearly as many people we didn't have nearly as many people as we needed and so, and so in we terms of staff and crew and volunteers but yeah and yeah yeah for sure staffing we were and doing it all ourselves we were doing it all ourselves we had a small handful of volunteers we didn't even really know what to do with them because we never managed volunteers before we never put on a festival before um and i think it was just it was the enormity of it. It was the responsibility for all those people's safety. Yeah. It was mm. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't mm. sleep. Yeah, we didn't sleep at all. Couldn't eat. The adrenaline was yeah. phenomenal. And it was so just this kind of constant stream of people asking you questions. Constant stream of people And having to questions. make decisions that you just... Yeah. We just, it, we just felt out of it. <laughs> no, generally. Oh my goodness, I'm starting to have post-traumatic stress disorder right I remember, now. I remember, I remember up till probably Festival 5, I remember this feeling on kind of... And I've got later and later, but definitely on fest- the Thursday of setup, I've got this awful like feeling in the pit of my stomach, and it was the same, it's exactly the same as when you go into labour after your first child, and you're like, how have I forgotten how, how horrific this is? <laughs> and it's just starting, and it's going to get worse. How have I let myself get in a position where I'm having to go through this again? And it happened every year. And it doesn't happen now. And the no, reason, it it, and now. the reason it doesn't happen now actually is because of the team of people that we have around us. I think one of the biggest things about the festival is that. Um, we have met the most incredible people with such passion and enthusiasm for what they do who now have such a passion and enthusiasm for what we do and, and come on board as part of our... Oh, it all starts feeling really cliched and... But it's like it's like awesome, a family reunion. It? It, it really <laughs> it is, is now. It, I mean, and also, and also because we do lots of other events now which are often more stressful than just so because they're unfamiliar. Mm. Um, you do a new event, a new format, something... Mm. Uh, in a different venue and they are now the more stressful thing so it feels just so now feels like coming home do you know what I mean yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, there's a familiarity it's comfortable there, which, in yeah. that skin yeah. but the, yeah. the, those people who kind of step up and take control of things which means that you can sleep at night that you yeah. don't have mm. to worry because you've got a great security team you've got a great waste car parking team you've got great caterers you know all of those kind of different um, different roles that, that mean that you you don't need to feel utter responsibility for everything mm. and I th- and some of those people have been on since the first festival which is probably partly the reason why we did do it twice was that you know for example our tech team yeah um we've been with us since the first festival and in particular jez our tech manager held our hands through that first festival yeah. pretty oh, yeah. much site Absolutely. managed project managing <laughs> with us you know and but also you know like the guys who came and did the wood fire pizza the first year yeah kind of 
just looked after us, told us how to like, you know, they were a vendor yeah. and they're like, this is how you deal with vendors. We're like, okay, that's how we do that. Yeah, the guys on the uh, fairy store uh, who have just been um, fairy glass, they've just been incredible in telling us how festivals how the, This is how the other festivals do it. This is how you do this. And we were like, oh, great. That's, okay, that's good cool. to know. <laughs> so what was that decision like then from having done that first festival thinking I'm never going to do this again yeah but then obviously deciding that you were going to do it again and then making this a full-time yeah proposition you know obviously a big decision for you Sarah quitting your Mm. job at Wardstones but did it feel like the right did it feel a totally natural thing to do it did did because it had it become it it felt like because I was working full-time at the same time it felt like this was my hobby and so by the time I stopped working at Waterstones, although I felt like I had the best job in the world, it felt like a job. Hmm. So um, it was it was like someone saying, actually, you can do your hobby full time. And and it's just there weren't enough hours in the day to carry on squeezing it into the hmm. margins. Um, it needed our full attention. I think uh, to, to, to make, make it, it what it needed to be. Yeah. To you know, it had so much potential. You could yeah. you could feel what it could what it had the potential to become, and hmm. there was no way that we could have. Yeah. That part-time. And yeah. were you able to get funding then to, to make that happen? Is that how that so, decision was made? No, I wouldn't say so because we we had some arts council, a small arts council grant in the first year. Um, but it was more, we've kind of never been massively reliant on funding. We do. No, and there's a real funding. kind of mixed income stream for the festival and now for Wild Rumpus as a whole. So although we have a little bit of project funding from the arts council and the odd trust and foundation who gives us a bit of a grant or the local authority will give us a little bit of a grant but then there's also sponsorship and there's concessions and traders and then there's ticket income um so and 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 now we also have a range of commissions that we do for other people as well um which which means that it's yeah it's a fairly diverse income model so it feels a little bit more resilient than certainly we were in yeah but i think we were certainly we were always quite commercial i would say in terms of you know in that we are in the art sector but we've never been so entirely reliant on public funding that it would no. make or break us and i think we came i think we came into it at a time when people when there were when the arts cuts were starting to happen and people were not getting as much money from the arts council or from their local authorities anymore but we didn't we didn't know any differently you know mm. when the arts council said they'd give us a grant in the first year it blew our time yeah yeah we were like what that's amazing uh you know because we we had no knowledge of that sector of that industry that these grants were available Mm. that that you could go to them with your idea and and say here's our our idea and i think you know certainly there was um someone we because we were in staffordshire at the time there was some at the arts council in the midlands who um we kind of you know we rang up they said yeah come in and have an appointment and um and we met someone called Aisha Freedy and she um she basically I think it, it's one of those we tell our story, we say this is what we want to do and she told us to be a little bit more ambitious yeah, and a little be bit bolder. more bold. Yeah. Ask for a little bit more money than that and talk to this person and talk to that person and kind of, you know, point it us in the right direction. There's so many people along oh, I'm gonna use the journey word. <laughs> along that journey. The adventure, the adventure. <laughs> along our adventure. <laughs> so many people along the way who, you know, who have held their hands or who have like pointed us in the right direction or given us that little key piece of information or encouragement to be more bold and ambitious that 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 have really made you know, I, I'm not entirely sure how, how pivotal they all realised they were mm. at that point in time, but they were. Mm. But yeah, so it didn't feel 
that yeah it felt kind of inevitable by the time we gave up work i think and it was mm. i mean it was it was terrifying kind of financially oh, yeah. terrifying and we had still, a, we because, had a good you know, few months where yeah. we weren't able to pay ourselves yeah and, and for that probably for that first whole year it was kind of like every month it was like can we afford to take a wage this year, this month or not so yeah. how did you manage that then when you you know so we were just just juggled yeah. Yeah. juggled yeah, yeah for yeah. sure yeah and you set it up as a not-for-profit haven't you yeah is that what was the thinking behind that because obviously a lot of the sort of festival operators they are yeah. commercial enterprises aren't they so why was yeah. it that you decided to go down that road because I think we sit kind of between a few different sectors so we certainly do have a foot in the music festival camp but then also we are an arts organisation mm. um, I think the decision probably came from us wanting partly I, I to access some funding from yeah. some places where a little bit, were. but also it was about our motivations for doing it yeah, and we our motivations it for doing it were to never money. to make money mm. our motivations for doing it were always that we thought this was a great idea yeah we thought it was a great idea and that we would want this for our families and that wouldn't that be a great thing we to, wanted it for that to, to exist. we wanted it to exist and it kind of could only exist if we did it yeah <laughs> do you know yeah it didn't yeah uh, yeah and it yeah it it was just never the motivation was never to make money out of it and 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 the fact that it's kind of grown and become a sustainable thing and allows us to not only pay ourselves a salary now but also to employ another 10 people plus all of the extra people that come on for the actual event but 10 people year round in addition to ourselves you know that that's that's a brilliant thing that it's got to that place but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't from the outset. I don't think we even felt like we were set. Although we were setting it up as a community interest company, mm. we didn't really feel like a no, company. I think, no, that's the thing. It I felt think, like a hobby. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And it just felt like we needed to. Ha- we needed to be something. Yeah. Mm. To yeah. be able to put an address on, and you know, to mean to have a name to. to yeah, to because put it somewhere. said you need to decide between these formats yeah. of how you register your business. And we're like, well, we'll be well that, that, that one. That one makes felt, sense. It just felt yeah, natural. Yeah, yeah, it felt yeah. like the right thing to be. Yeah. And actually, it has always been the right thing. We've never, we've never felt the need to transform it into a charity or to have a separate commercial trading arm. No. It, yeah, feels right. It right. so just felt made sense at the time. Yeah. 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 I'd just like to ask you a bit about uh, one thing you said before, Sarah. That was interesting. Was that you'd said you'd never really felt like you were creative before doing mm. this, and um, just wanted to ask you a bit about. So before you met. Um, was it it was never something then really on your radar was setting up your own company it was more you were you why did you end up going into book selling in the first place because i loved books that was it it was simple uh, i did literature at university i loved reading and um i yeah i loved being immersed in a world of of books and and it was it was it was all i did and i think what's what's brilliant is that I feel like I haven't actually stepped away entirely from that you know if the motivation there was about sharing a love and a passion of reading and of stories I feel like we tell stories we tell stories through different art forms we just don't always tell them through the printed page but we tell them you know we, we employ storytellers who tell them around a campfire or um, we we do uh, we we, we encourage people to engage in, in stories through dance or through music. But or also we make stories and immerse yeah. people in them. I mean, um, oh, yeah, and just so yeah. perhaps less so, but some of our other events like the Lost Carnival um, are, are, is a narrative-driven, yeah. it's a story yeah. that people are stepping into. Yeah, yeah, and I think I didn't feel like that creative person and I definitely would describe myself now as a more creative person. I can't draw, mm. I can't make things. 
and craft is like my nemesis. I really, <laughs> really hate craft, in what way? crafting activities. I just can't can't bear it. Sticking and gluing and painting and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's just me, me and it do not get along at all. But I think I recognise now that there are there are different ways of being creative and that some of it is a little bit more about the operations and the logistics, that mm. there's a creativity to that side of things. But also you're a creative person in terms of ideas and concepts and Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's I think not what just the but operational side of things. Yeah. What I wasn't, I think, was someone who realised that you could make things happen. I always thought that would be other people. And that's definitely mm. something that I've learned because of working with Rowan, is that actually, if you have an idea, you can make that happen. It just just wasn't on my radar. Where do you think and that I comes from? Is that just from know. sort of lack of encouragement? I, or, or no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, there's something, I think there's something in your DNA <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that... Um, Blind optimism. <laughs> that is entrepreneurial. And it, and it's not in your DNA, is it? It's probably from, from your parents or, or however you've got... Isn't that your DNA? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but, I know what you mean. But, you yeah, know, yeah, because, yeah. because your dad is... Is entrepreneurial, yeah, for yeah, sure. And, yeah, and so, and so you've... Yeah, you've always felt like it That's was a within, possibility, but yeah. always felt like it was within your grasp to make things happen and to mm. change things and to to mm. follow your yeah. dreams. So <laughs> you, you had always been a bit more entrepreneurial. Yeah, for sure, I think so. Yeah, no, de- yeah. You, you definitely. It's a whole outlook. Shop, you? So yeah, so I had the wool shops. Did you have what? What else did you have? Um, oh, I set up a little business making little cloth dolls. Didn't yeah. I? Yeah, didn't you have some sort of little? There was something. Was it barefoot? Oh, I had a little. Yeah, a little blog about. Yeah. creative businesses yeah. um yeah had a little hand and little catering business once all sorts of things <laughs> yeah. strings to your bow <laughs> all failures until now <laughs> and that and that's the difference here is that i'm working with sarah who can actually has a commercial mind on her sh- head on her shoulders and so can actually make so do you think successful. actually this is interesting but actually do you think it works what's do you think that this has worked in, in the sense that yeah. the other things it's not a case that they didn't work but yeah it, it is you don't need to be polite <laughs> <laughs> they could have worked yeah but the fact that the two of you together are working so you you yeah. know you've got rowan you very much sort of let's just do it yeah sarah you're more the sort of okay i don't know it does it work well i think it's the it's two been, of you together i think it's been really fluky really in that we didn't know each other that well mm. so it could mm. have been a disastrous Oh yeah, yeah, that was that it? was the one thing that people said when when I first started when we first started it. Everybody said you should never go into business with friends, and we were kind of, oh, I don't even know what that was. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody said <laughs> yeah. that, but it just well, the thing was neither of us were going to do it on our own. So yeah. who, who else were you going to go into business? You know, <laughs> yeah. partnerships have to be there, don't they? Yeah, and, you know, and sure. we weren't like good friends beforehand, so there was no friendship to ruin. No, there. But, <laughs> it's but probably the, a good thing. But I think it's I. I think but it, but it, it has been lucky it is, the way that our, our definitely our skills and abilities yeah. complement each other uh, really well. Do you split say. the work in a way, or does do you have separate roles, or do you cross Mo- over a lot? More so, more so now than we used to. But yeah, I mean, the, there's always been a definite, a, a fairly definite split in that I am absolutely no good with technology whatsoever. Whereas Rowan can turn a hand to. You know, you know, if you if your laptop breaks and you take it into the Apple store, if your MacBook breaks, you take it to Apple and they get it fixed. Mm. Rowan would watch a YouTube video and take the whole yeah. thing apart and fix it herself. 
you know, it's the same with your washing machine, anything. <laughs> Ron's attitude is that, well, I can probably fix it. If other people can learn to do it, I'll probably just teach myself that now. <laughs> so she built the website and she did all that and all that kind of marketing collateral and design, you know, you've got a very yeah, good... figured out how to use clear, Illustrator and that exactly, kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. and, and taught yourself, you know, Photoshop yeah. and all those kind of things. Yeah. I think what's interesting is I feel like we've both, we have, through talking all this, you know, we talk, have always talked about the festival and then as we've grown Wild Rumpus and all the other events, so constantly it's a constant conversation mm. i think we know what we do and why we do it and the ethos behind it so deeply it's like right ingrained in us mm. and so which means that i can use my skills in terms of the design to and that kind of to visually represent it and like sarah was saying and then sarah can represent it in the way that the event is put on practically mm. and I feel like it, it's kind of it. All it comes from that place mm. of knowing it really deeply, and that mm. filters down into whichever way it's And that's about those conversations, isn't yeah. it? I think they are massive, aren't they? And, and and I think you know the fact, the fact that we did do that marathon and, and so had all those training ones together meant we were talking and spending more time together than most people would. Do you know what I mean? Unless you were actually married to them, mm. you wouldn't normally, <laughs> or in a relationship with it, you wouldn't yeah. normally spend that, that much, much time, with, time yeah. with somebody. But actually, it's that length of time and that constant conversation, that going over things, that hones things. So, and it, and it, it it created a bit of a problem, I think, in the first, well, not in the first few years because it was only us. But then the next couple of years, this when we started mi- to grow, well, yeah, and, sure. and we started to employ other people. And actually, Can you imagine what a really nightmare employment tricky. scenario is to step into. <laughs> Two people who've had a, an ongoing conversation for four years, and you were supposed to step in. Who basically? Well, well, so we would. But apart from the fact that we like finish each other's sentences, but you just speaking speak, speaking a shorthand. You would say, "Oh, you know, indecipherable. You know, you know that thing." Um, oh, that that woman did. Yes. Oh, yes, the, with the green one. Well, should yeah. we? <laughs> should we go ahead with that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then, but then also that strategy and vision would change on our whole direction (laughs) would change overnight because we've been out running the night before and we'd had a two and a half hour conversation about something so we'd come in the next day you know that thing that we were all working on that we're not going to do we're not we're doing this other thing yeah because because we've had a really good conversation about it so it's just incredibly hard for other people to come into that and i think it's taken quite a long time for that yeah it took us we did we'd employ kind of a few people and (laughs) who couldn't stand (laughs) 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 or or that we just you know or that we just got just, well, it, it just didn't work. Didn't, it, just didn't it didn't work, work from either and then perspective. It, and then eventually, um, so Catherine, who has been with us for four and a half years, I think was our first mm. successful employee, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in, that, the, in that she would pro- probably, for the reason that she would turn around and say, "You can't, you can't change the strategy overnight," or at least if you're going to do that, just tell me why. Did you just say, by the way, that you have meetings while you're running for a couple of hours? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. Less so now. Yeah, not walk, so much. No, we, well, we'd walk now. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 Do you find that's a good way of, you know, yeah. talking things through, getting ideas is by actually being out walking? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think it's yeah. the place of the best, very best. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that, do you from? think? It's because you, you're out, I don't know. But um, similar to what you were saying about being here. Yeah, it's a similar yeah. Thing. I think it's because... <laughs> it's <laughs> because the guy just said to me... Um, why is that good now? I just said, I don't know. We're doing a TED talk on this next week. Oh, yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. <laughs> Let's hope. That's a well, good, op- that's a good opening to your <laughs> TED talk. Um, it is because we are not 
being forced to pin things down and work things out mm. and so you just yeah there's a freedom in it i think there's not you're not there's no agenda items you're not trying to mm. cover things off and take stuff off a list and because it's a conversation you just feel like you can say the first thing that comes into your head and then the and then and then the other person responds and then you go back to it and you don't need to it, you don't need to overthink it it doesn't need to be that valuable it mm. can be the first thing that you know whatever's top of mind it can be uh, and then you can keep going over it and over it and and that sense of hone, honing things and um it's about having space and time yeah. isn't it um, and just being away from all of those trappings of yeah mm. you know it's uh, we just you know we find it so hard to sit in the horse box and have a strategic conversation because it's so hard to let your eyes it's so easy to just let your eyes drift to your laptop and just i'll just reply yeah. to that or all the just, distractions i'll just check that or you know or, or someone whatever. else is talking about something and i think mm. You and know. because it's a conversation, it can take so many different directions because it, it doesn't feel like it's a meeting where you're trying to work out a particular thing. So it goes on, it goes off on loads of tangents and uh, and hopefully it kind of finds its way back to, to a core yeah. idea. But and I kind of feel like there's something about moving as well because I think obviously you could do that. You could leave your laptop and go and sit in a conference room somewhere, I guess. Yeah. But it's kind of like, why would you? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and also where's that inspiration going to come from to be having those big ideas mm. i think there's something about being outside being in a beautiful place being in a green place that yeah just makes you think bigger i think yeah. but and i think there's also something about being i'm gonna say journey again i don't mean that kind of journey <laughs> i mean an actual physical journey mm. that you're allowed to use in yeah, that context yeah. like you know walking from one place to another mm. you're going somewhere you, there's a there's a, a purpose to it and i think that, that probably feeds mm. into the conversation we're having as well as a purpose have there. the two of you ever disagreed on any sort of major aspects of the the, the yeah brand, yeah, the yeah and, the, and then rowan just wins every argument <laughs> <laughs> is that how it goes mostly <laughs> what have you disagreed on then what have we disagreed on I can't even think now because Rowan has a way of, of convincing you that actually you haven't disagreed, <laughs> but you've both come to the same <laughs> conclusion <laughs> and it's her, her, it, her, her way <laughs> that actually, I'm not sure that's if you, just, true. I think if you just stop I think, and think about it, you'll probably agree with me, I won't think you? When it comes yeah. to, I think when it comes to kind of branding and the way things look and feel, there's a power in being the one who can actually yeah. create that, bring that into a practical. So yeah, yeah. So suggestions can be forgotten or remembered depending on yeah. strategically. Yeah, strategically for sure. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, but we we tend to yeah, if we disagree, it tends to be about I would say the detail. Mm. So it seems quite. I mean, on the face of it, looking, it seems very lucky, as you you said, you described it as fluky before. Yeah. You know. That you both sort of seem to be moving in very much the same direction yeah. overall. I mean, yeah, as you say, you might disagree on small things, but mm. I mean, do you feel that that's just luck, or do you think that that's you know, how do you see that the fact that the, the pair of you are able to sort of you've not got necessarily a, the same end point in mind, but you're moving in the same direction? Yeah, I think that it, it was luck. There, there was there's definitely an element in luck that, but I think that that would have kind of fallen apart at a really early stage if that was not going to happen do you know what mm. I mean whether mm. we'd have if we hadn't worked together well whether we'd have got to that first festival or not I've no idea mm. you know but then but then I think a lot of it is about that ongoing conversation I think because I think the times when it feels for a bit like it's working less well 
it's always more just seeing less of each other, right. spending mm. less time together, having less of that conversation. And and to a point, the thing is that we've created this kind of monster. <laughs> no, we've created this thing that, like we said, it has a momentum of its own. Mm. And actually, it's at some points then it it would it would be more of a kind of conscious thing to step away from that. You know, to you you have to. It feels like that's that's the natural rhythm and the path that you're on. Um. So yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> ramble, ramble. But it's yeah, that it is its own creature now. Mm. You know, wild rumpus. Yeah. Is a. And we're just, it's not. And it's we're not just. Is it was us? Mm. And we still lead it, and we certainly direct it. Yeah. But it it lives separate yeah. from us now. You know, there, and are now all, there are all these other people, and all yeah. these other things happen. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm. And you now know, it feels it feels more like the two rather than it being the two of us creating something it feels like there's something happening and us two are part of that yeah Mm. Yeah. and yeah we might steer it in one direction or another but there are a whole lot lot more voices and people who are influencing that now yeah Mm. when you mentioned the sort of expansion particularly new zealand brazil but also you do as you mentioned lots of um, sort of projects for other festivals Mm. don't you now so has that come from you pushing for that or has people have people come to you generally people come to us now for sure Mm. um we get loads of approaches all the time um some of which we can take up some of which we can't um i think there's certainly we've always had a mix of doing it since kind of we stopped just doing just so and started doing other events there's always been a mix of out doing our own stuff that we have complete control over and we are control freaks really Mm. aren't we yeah so would you describe yourselves as control yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely um and then doing work for other people which we kind of got better at in terms yeah. of that control freakery. Well, <laughs> yeah, know. we just need to establish early doors that we have got all of the creative <laughs> control. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, and that, that's, I mean, yeah, you start to work out how, how it will work best yeah. working with and for other people. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we, we realized quite early that, um, if we were going to take on other projects, they needed to be things that we fell in love with. They needed to be things that we believed in 100%. There was no point in doing things just to, you know, make some money or that they had to feel true to our ethos and our identity mm-hmm. as an organization, as a brand. You know, we kind of developed that. I think we didn't have that clear before the first festival, no, but that sure. definitely, it developed. You know, we have a, a very clear sense of self for the organization um you know we know that we are about the outdoors that we're about families engaging in the arts together and that that's about high quality arts and that we have a passion for storytelling and taking people taking audiences with us on incredible adventures and making them look at the world differently and that's what we want to do and so i think now it and knowing who you are it means that if other people come to you and say do you want to get involved with this mm-hmm. it's quite easy to kind of marry up whether that whether what they're asking you to do has the potential to, to fulfill fit into that yeah that does that mean that the two of you have to oversee pretty much everything that, that happens or do you are you able to sort of let someone else manage a particular side of it or a, you know a particular project so at a particular festival we're not very good at that yeah we're getting we're, better we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to we need to we need to yeah we, we absolutely need to know. because there are some really exciting projects 
where people are coming to us and saying, would you like to be involved with this? And some of them are really exciting. We're like, yeah, we'd love to be involved with that. And are these other festivals? But, um, n- not, not mostly other, other festivals, cultural other... or heritage right. or tourism attractions. So it might be yeah. National but Trust or a Forestry Commission site or right. a gallery Nas- or a museum yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so they come to us and they say, do you want to do this? And we're like, well, do you know what? We dreamed of working with someone like you or you know you're one of our favorite organizations you know those other kind of cultural organizations mm. especially that you admire so much you're like god that wouldn't that be brilliant but realistically we're there still, is a capacity we're, issue we're still mm-hmm. quite yeah. a small team there is a capacity issue and even no matter how big you grow out your team there's only two of us and so we mm. can't we need to relinquish some of that control we need to be able to delegate yeah. more and we need to just make, ensure that those people who are working for us uh, 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 totally bought into that same stuff that I was talking about so mm. that we know that you know they can and I think one of the things and I think what one of the things that's difficult about that is so much of it is intangible yeah. it's not you know it is about the storytelling it is about that family engagement but it's a it there is a wild rumpusness to it that is mm. not something we can describe in words. It's yeah. just a gut feeling. It's looking at a piece of work and going, yeah, that's right for us. Mm. Or it's not right for us. And yeah. it's not something, you know, not something you can oh, pin down. So many people come to us and say, oh, you know, here's a great piece of children's, a great children's theatre thing or a great... And, that and you'll love. And, we'll look, and, and, and generally, I would say very rarely we look at something and have a different opinion of whether mm. we love it or, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. generally we like the same stuff. And it's kind of, it's it's... It's it's not just taste. I don't know how to describe is it. Is it hard? Very it's, hard to define. Yeah, by the it's an aesthetic. It. It's a it's a it is a look and feel and a and a it's, it's like just a gut and, feel and an authenticity to yeah. it as well, mm. isn't it? It's about whether there's a good story sometimes. Yeah, there, yeah, isn't yeah. It? Um, I remember we were talking with Malcolm from uh, Mufti about that kind of, you know, you know when work feels right, don't you? When when another people's performances feel right, and it's because they're coming from. That place of, yeah, yeah, there's a depth, there's there's a depth, depth to, it, to the yeah. work. But that. also there could be a piece of work that is really high quality for families with depth and we would both look at it and go, nah. <laughs> Just because it's not yeah. us. Yeah. And so I think that's that intangible is something that is is hard to filter through to other people. And I think mm. part of that, again, is about that time and conversation and, it is and carving out that time and conversation. And you know. spending time together. And spending time together as a team, you know, yeah. so that everybody's and, and, on the same and, page. And also spending time together as a team without an agenda, doing some yeah. of that talking. And that's it's so easy to look at that team day in a calendar and think that's not the best use of our time. Yeah. We've all got loads who so are all really busy. That's the thing that can that's go. That's the thing that can go. And actually, that's the thing that can't go because mm. that's the thing that, you, that is holding it all together. But when you, you have know? those team days, do you do the same things? I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting what you're saying about the fact that you're most productive when you're walking when there isn't a specific goal or set yeah. of a list of things to go through. Do you do the same thing with the team? Do you just there's no agenda, there's no yeah, tends you know, to. objectives. Yeah, it's just yeah. talking. Yeah, we'll yeah. go on long walks. We'll yeah, do sometimes we do kind of like we might have a day kind of sorting out the woods, like doing mm. you know a bit of tidying and clearing. But that's in a way similar to. We are t- we're talking about work while we're doing this stuff. It's just that it's mm. a different environment to do it in. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So what's on the lineup for just so twenty eighteen, uh, and how does it differ from the first one? 
the first one like hugely yeah so yeah. it's the, the the amount of programming and actually we've over programmed haven't we we've oh, yeah. spent we too much we've spent too much money this year we see too much cool uh, stuff and then we want to do it that's the problem <laughs> is you feel like here we are we've got our program sorted and then someone mm. comes to you and says oh but i've got this really cool idea <laughs> to do around the world in 80 days a phileas fog type adventure <laughs> on segways with like balloon baskets and really amazing costumes and we're like oh and there are some companies now who know us really well and they know us too well and they know that and so they, they're developing this work and they know that if they bring one to us they know you're going we'll have it. to take it so how many acts or is it performers act yeah how so many there's are about this, yeah, 250 festival. different bits of programming at the festival and it's and a real is, diversity yeah. of music and theater and mm. circus and dance and Puppetry and storytelling and bushcraft mm. and magic and yeah. oh, comedy and cinema and some of that is stuff that we book year on year. You know, mm. we have the best storyteller in the world, and he comes and he tells his stories around the campfire, and he's like a real kind of. It, it wouldn't be just so without him there. Who's that? Uh, Ian, Ian Douglas. Douglas. And we have a really brilliant comedian called James Campbell who comes back and makes our bellies ache <laughs> with laughing because he's just so funny. And and so there are, there are different bits of the programme where, you know, it's probably going to be repeated, but then it's getting that mix of having new things, especially because we have such a loyal returning audience. You want to surprise them with new and exciting yeah, stuff. Yeah, so we tend to have new big outdoor shows or... Uh, which can be kind of either theatre or circus. Um, we've got uh, something called Equilibrius this year, which is a high wire tightrope oh. show from our favourite performers, probably Chris yeah. and Phoebe Bolzini's, who are tightrope walkers. They got married on a tightrope. <laughs> yeah, that's a romantic story. That's yeah. one of those stories you fall in love with. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's the authenticity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah. Th- they live and breathe there. Yeah, and craft. they've and they've just had a little baby girl, and about well. She'll be nearly a year old, and uh, she's just—you just know she'll be a top floor walker <laughs> or it's something. No she'll probably, she'll she'll probably be an accountant. They'll break the heart. Running away with kids, the... Speaking of kids, actually, you, know, you mentioned your kids before, and I think between you've got seven. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And I read in um, one of the interviews that one of you'd done. I think that you would one of you taking baby or you're taking babies to meetings and things like that. Oh, is that, yeah, for sure. How, yeah. Just talk, tell me a bit about that. What were the in those early, those in the early days, I guess. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I had Gabe in between the first and second festivals. Yeah. Who's, our, who's our collective youngest? Yeah, uh, my youngest son. Um, but Jude was only quite young for the first festival yeah, as well. Yeah, wasn't he was two he? years old, so he was one. So, mm. so they were tiny at the start. And so, mm. yeah, certainly after that first, after that second festival, I had kind of Gabe in a sling, <laughs> hoying him around with us. So, how was that taking? Uh, we just did it it just, it, it just felt like it was the thing that needed to happen mm. so we just did it people people always thought we were lesbians didn't we? Like, uh, yeah and that it was, <laughs> a, and that it was a, yeah Gabe was our baby yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. I think there's something about the fact that you know especially when you say you work in the woods and you run a festival and, yeah. and then you've got this little bit and I'd be holding the baby while you'd be making some notes yeah and, yeah <laughs> Because so people, people definitely make assumptions about us, all kinds of assumptions, because mm. we work in the woods that we're really green, that we're vegan, that we're hippies. Yeah. And actually, our kids are 
addicted to their devices as much as anybody else as oh well. yeah, yeah. Oh, it must be a delight for your children they can yeah. run around and spend all their days out in nature and or actually like engaging in, engaging i've got to go to the, the woods arts. there's no wi-fi well there is wi-fi they're just not allowed the code <laughs> <laughs> so you don't give them the code for the no wi-fi. way <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a good tactic but, but yeah oh we have to go to some more street performances yes <laughs> do they enjoy it when they're here though at the fe- I assume do they come to the festival? They do come to the festival, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the older they get, my girls now uh, are older and the older they get the more able they are to help as well. Right. And to um, Yeah, so Sarah's eldest Martha volunteers for us now and is kind of our, yeah. our queen volunteer. Right. Yeah. She knows the thing yeah. inside out. So yeah, we've got a ready made workforce coming <laughs> through on their for way. Sure. Cheap. But they, but you know, and also I think it's easy for us to forget that they've they've grown up with it you know they mm. know you know the festival mm. is a kind of part of the landscape of their childhood is really important to them you know they know everyone on site they can you know mm. dip in and out they know which vendors might give them a free bit of glitter if they flutter their eyelashes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they wouldn't like a new vendor coming on who wouldn't necessarily know that they were the children how important of directors, they were right, actually yeah. Yeah. Do you know who I am? Well, yeah, yeah exactly. I, think, I think you find that i will have a hot chocolate <laughs> with a flake and yeah. extra cream <laughs> just in terms of just thinking back actually to New Zealand so what mm. was that like I mean that was just recently wasn't it yeah so it so was it was how did that go I mean what was it how long were you out there for and so we're out there for two success- weeks what was the how yeah. successful was the experience for the two of you yeah it, it was great I think what was nice about it is that we could take the team it's a really different setup from Brazil in that there's a big team in Brazil and they're mm. really well connected and have lots of support um the producer in New Zealand has a little bit more of a kind of uh, working on her own with a little bit of help from various places but we kind of decided quite early on in that relationship too that the way that it would work is that we would give a lot more support from the UK which meant Mm. that we all went over Mm. which meant that we gave our team the chance to go to New Zealand see the festival in different contexts go to New Zealand Mm. (laughs) spend a couple of weeks in a rainforest yeah exactly which is incredible it's a beautiful beautiful setting the site the site is incredible Kaitoki Regional Park is really really beautiful and um, the people, you know, we just, yeah, we really love New Zealand, don't we? Yeah. So laid back and uh, so outdoors and so cultural. And I absolutely love our UK audience. I wouldn't hear a word against them. Mm. But the New Zealand audience were very laid back. Very <laughs> really laid back. For example, if anything went wrong, that maybe we would get it in the next four in the UK. Showers not working for a little while or something. Something, something yeah. like that <laughs> might happen. <laughs> um in the UK, that would be an issue. People get, yeah. people get really cross. Um, he's in the like, oh, okay. Some yeah. of the guys were like, Never oh, mind. What, is it the head of tank? Should we go up and have a look? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. It'll start working. I guess these things happen. Yeah. And, and and actually, they, they take an interest in it. Yeah. And almost like they're sympathising with you and like, oh, we yeah. wish we could help. And yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's a it bit a of a different outlook on yeah. life. But it was, it? like but we said earlier, it's just, I mean, I think, we talked a little bit about earlier about that kind of co- creative collaboration, how incredible our audience are. And I think the kind of, at just so, the kind of main element of that is the tribal tournament. People come and dress up as one of six animal tribes and engage in this competition over the weekend, which has grown to terrifying proportions <laughs> that, you know, they they care, you know. Oh, yeah. It's all a little bit Lord of the Flies. It's Lord of the Flies. It's the only, only time you see the entire festival audience together is when they all kind of gather for this, the crowning of the champions on the Sunday. Um, and it's incredible. And seeing that in New Zealand, seeing mm. a similar enthusiasm and 
yeah, yeah. passion for. Where did that idea come from? Was that your <laughs> idea, or was that? It, came, it was a similar thing to. Still <laughs> really about us being skin. Still about us being skin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we put it when we moved site to here to Road Hall. On our old site, we'd had um, camping areas named after some of Kipling's Just So Stories. So mm. we had kind of like armadillo camping and um, elephant camping. Mm. Can't remember what it Kangaroos. Was. Yeah. Um, and so we thought, oh, that's a, that's a sad thing that we're that we're losing there because because the the camping is laid out differently. And you, I think we were recognizing that there's a little bit of that tribal identity that people like to identify mm. to and a the, tribe. And the people felt like that on the old, even though it was only the name of a camping area, they would be like, we're the armadillos. Yeah. You know, people liked it. Yeah. So then when we came here, we thought, oh, let's put on a bit of program and we'll call it the tribal. I don't think it was even the tournament, was it? Then? No, no, no. Yeah, it was just. The, yeah. one, the tribes, I forget. Yeah. Um, and we said, oh, we'll have frogs can get together and have a leapfrog, and Foxes lions can get together and do, play sleeping lions. Well, it's, it's a kind of light can touch. get together and learn yeah. to foxtrot. We put very little yeah. effort into it the first year, yeah. other than putting a few little bits in the program. Mm. And then the audience arrived, all dressed in full on fox costumes, mm. and we're like, oh, we've underestimated the commitment. <laughs> Quite here. how tribal yeah. people can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then it's it's increased, and mm. and to some degree we sometimes worry that it's kind of a little bit of a beast of our own making, yeah, because yeah. it, it can dominate the festival, yeah, um, and it can be a little bit intimidating, I think, for new audience members because some families, you know, have been f- foxes for six years and they know yeah. their tactics of getting and, these. And t- talk me through how do they actually compete then? How does so, it work? So, um, so there are seven tribes now because we introduced a new tribe last year, which put the cat among the pigeon what, the what was the, the new tribe bees, bees. bees. Okay, yeah right. um uh yeah so there's these seven tribes uh the audience come they can choose any tribe they can dress up or not if they want to um all of the volunteers performers staff vendors people on site have got gold pebbles and so you can win a gold pebble tell a joke be have i don't know be the grubbiest baby whatever <laughs> People mm. can give them out on a whim for whatever they want to do right. it for. Um, by the end of the weekend, people kind of figure out who's giving them out for what. The kids, the kids get manic about yeah. it, don't they? You find you have the story about that. Oh, I was doing like a litter. Uh, I was litter picking. I like a bit of litter picking. <laughs> uh, at about six o'clock on the Sunday morning in the forest area, and there were two dads scrabbling around on the floor, <laughs> and um, it was because their one of their daughters had dropped her gold pebbles in the forest after the campfire late at night. Right. And was distraught about it, and so the dad had been could, sent they out. They could not go like, back to that tent without right. those gold So they've been sent out at like yeah. six in the morning <laughs> to scour the woodland floor for some tiny little bits of sprayed gold. So, that, so then they have to go and find. So there's a there's a. Did a they find them, by the way? I think I might have just given them oh, some right. out, of, out of pity, <laughs> pity pebbles yeah. out of my pocket. Yeah, next year there'll be a whole group mm. of dads pretend scrabbling. Yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah they give they, yeah, they, they give you yeah. pebbles if you. Um, and um, and then there are some performers who are the tribal leaders. So they, uh, the audience, have to bring them their pebbles. And then there's every kind of twice a day. There's a, a scoring, and we have a big now. We have like a big kind of oversized cricket scoreboard with all the scores on. So it's a big deal when mm. the scores are changed. Unless so over the unless course, of the course over the course unless of the whole of course, weekend. Right. Some of the audience climb up onto the scoreboard during the night and change the scores. Yes, like put adding that an, adding happened, an ex- it? Oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But luckily, it's quite underhand. Luckily, things. we have a festival full of witnesses who then will take photos and come to us in the production office and show us a photo of a frog dad changing <laughs> the said said score. And so then then we have to dot 
clock them some points but it all becomes very convoluted yeah yeah but th- that's the thing about the festival it's a really weird mix of kind of in-house programming so there's things like the tribal tournament that we've mm. dreamed up ourselves as well as things like pillow fights and midnight feasts and a lot of that stuff that kind of harkens back to traditional childhood games yeah there's, and, a, there's a nostalgia and, to it and yeah, it, yeah exactly. and every year we're trying to think of different things so we had a jelly fight last year which was yeah so we've had a war sticky yeah. it was it was stupid in general yeah. it, was, it was so sticky there's like there's like the, the thing is clearly finished all the jelly is gone people have thrown jelly everyone's covered in jelly um we've been up which at, is like, nice on a camping camping, camping festival we've been up, at, we've been up at midnight the night before like stirring bats of jelly and trying to set all the jelly <laughs> ready anyway we've we've the jelly fight is pretty much finished you know there's there's someone there has called a stop that uh all the jelly's been thrown and then there's still one mom scraping dirty muddy jelly off the floor <laughs> and Flinging it in her child's face, and they're both and like, just laughing, like, like drains. And you, just, enough. It's finished. <laughs> it's finished. But the jelly fight is a perfect example of why our team generally <laughs> despair of us because we would say, "Let's have a jelly fight. Sounds yeah. brilliant." I'll do a quick graphic, stick it on Facebook. It's announced. It's out there. The audience knows it's happening. happening. And then the production team are like, what? How are we How are we setting all the jelly in a field? 20 tons of jelly yeah. without industrial fridges. How, and... are we se- how are we doing that? How's and that we go, happen? oh, we'll be all right. You'll we'll figure it out. out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So, this, so this year, again, <laughs> they are really happy with us because when we were at the jelly fight last year, we were spectating from a short distance. <laughs> um, with a family of foxes, and they were saying, "What are you? Gonna, how are you going to top this? This is ridiculous. How are you going to top this? Um, what are you going to do next year?" And then the dad suggested that we did a custard catwalk. You know how there's that thing with custard where, it, like yeah. corn flour, that if you hit it hard, yeah. it's um, solid, and if not, it's liquid. So let's do a massive long kind of catwalk of it, and then the kids, the challenge is to run across it and not sink. So if you stop, you sink into it. If you keep yeah. going, you can walk across it. Right, yeah. I see. So I we've see. got so so there's going to be some sort of custard consistency testing. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. going to have to be to seriously yeah. tested on, in yeah. quite a scale. Yeah. yeah. So it's just sort of viscous enough that you can walk on. Is that what you mean? Apparently, yeah. So so it's a, it's a uh, a property. I'll just, I'll just show my my lack science. of scientific knowledge. My science degree <laughs> will come in handy now. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's a property of. Uh, cornstarch or custard that if you hit it with enough force it will be solid so you could punch a bowl of of custard <laughs> and you and you, your hand would bounce off it right. but then if you just moved it really slowly into it it will go sing. through it Weird, it's a real it? thing it's, it's yeah. an amazing property yeah. Yeah. it's an absolutely it's cool. incredible it's really thing. cool it's really good so we thought we'd do it on a big yeah. scale i mean what what could go wrong when you're camping in a tent and your kid covered just, in like, custard sunk, from it sunk, sunk into a catwalk <laughs> full of, what's, full what's of custard <laughs> yeah so we had um <laughs> we, we told one of our production assistants who is freelance works with alien who works on the festival um <laughs> one of one of the team texted her the announcement of the custard catwalk <laughs> and she yeah was not delighted at the prospect <laughs> of making that happen how yeah. would you describe yourselves as people to work for uh we like to think that we're the best employers in the world. I we think are great employers and we value <laughs> <laughs> we value our team enormously and we want them to be in the best working environment and have the best working experience and I think our team is one of our strengths. They are great people, they work really well together. Um, I think that we exasperate them because we... A little bit erratic. We're a bit erratic, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And we do things on a whim. Yeah. But they love us. And we're a bit over ambitious. Yeah. So, so in terms of we'll take too much on hmm. and then yeah. there won't be enough hours in the day to do everything that needs doing. And everyone feels about so that's, I think that's quite I think, knackering yeah, actually for everybody. It can be knackering. I think we're self-aware enough to recognise it. Yeah. And we certainly wouldn't, would, would talk to them about it and, you know, apologise if we have. Yeah taken on too much i think yeah this and and, and try and do this and there's definitely been moments like that over the years where we've just been like there's just enough work for 50 people here when there's only 10 of us yeah mm. um and, and then and then we just have to rein things back in a little bit and uh, i guess it is the flip side of that though that maybe none of this would be here if if you weren't yeah like that. oh absolutely. yeah I think absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah if we were yeah, risk yeah. averse then we'd yeah, probably definitely either still be in that lock up behind quick fit or we'd be, or we'd <laughs> Yeah. be working in our old jobs and that would was a nice idea that Sarah once had yeah one lunch time yeah but no we um yeah we try to we try to be the best at everything we do we kind of feel like if it's worth doing it's worth doing well isn't mm. it and there's no point in doing a, a half-assed job on stuff so yeah we tr- do try to be good employers um definitely <laughs> <laughs> But the same, the same with kind of most things that we take on. When you take on board a project and you think, actually, so I think there's something about the woodland here. We think we've got this beautiful woodland site. How can we make it the best that it could possibly be? And how can we get the most out of it? How can it be a really creative place where people can come and have great ideas and it can be open to hmm. other creatives and other arts organisations to come? How can we share that with other people? You know, how can we bring other people into that world and share a bit of that magic? That and the same with volunteering. If we're going to have a volunteering program, it should be the best volunteering program. It should be giving people exactly that. You know, they should be having a transformative experience. If we're not mm. delivering that, then yeah, why have, you know what I mean. Yeah, and if we say and if we say we're going to be accessible for deaf and disabled audiences, then then how do we do that? How do we make ourselves truly, truly accessible for deaf and disabled audiences? Uh, from from the logistics, from the facilities, but also them seeing themselves reflected back in the programming mm. uh, and different ways of uh, telling those the stories, communi- the yeah. communication for them. You know, how can we communicate our story so that it's as accessible as possible? How can the facilities on site be as accessible as possible? How can the program be as accessible? So I think there's all those kind of things where we think, you know, if we if we're going to try and do that, let's do it as well as we can Has and that as thoroughly been as the possible. Thing that you've been trying to make it as accessible as possible. You mentioned for, um, you know, deaf and. Is is that always been a thing or has that developed over time? It's it's definitely a developed thing, yeah. yeah. And we worked, we started working with um, an organisation called Attitude, a charity called Attitude is Everything, who um, work with music festivals predominantly, although some venues now as well, to make festival, music festivals accessible for deaf and disabled audiences. And I think, you know, it was always something that we were keen to do. And I think, I think from the beginning, we probably offered a free ticket to free care ticket, ticket to people and i think it w- it was more on a kind of one by w- one basis so people would come to us and say i've got these requirements is this something you meet and we'd mm. look at it and go oh well we can certainly try and make that happen for you yeah uh, and that so it was always that kind of we but we didn't really stop and think about it in a kind of cohesive way mm. how could we make the whole event as a as opposed to responding individually to people and i think what was interesting is when we first met with attitude is everything and we talked through what we did in that we that's what that's what we did people were got to get in touch with them. we would say well what what can we how can we adapt what we're doing to make it accessible for you and as students everything kind of went you're doing exactly what you need to do that's what mm. you need to do you just need to make it 
clear that that's what you're doing. I think we were a bit nervous when we first met them, thinking, oh, well, they're going to, you know, because actually our initial assumption is that the festival is not hugely accessible because it's in uh, woodland, parts of it are in a woodland, parts of that site are really quite, for anybody with... um, physical mobility problems are, qu- are quite tricky um and, and but well, yeah was, we were hung up on what they might ask us to put yeah, in place in terms mm. of facilities trackway and, and, and yeah and, and pathways and that kind of thing and actually it wasn't about that and, and actually i think we hadn't thought about how inherently accessible to a massive spectrum of people the festival is because it's open because all of the stuff that we talked about as being important for families that people that families it's outdoors could, and that it's outdoors that people feel free that you can sit and watch a show and then you can get up and leave that you don't have to be quiet that it doesn't matter yeah. people are shouting actually that's what lots of those relaxed performances that theatres are now putting in place for for example families with a member who've got who's got autism mm. that's kind of already what it was and it was about communicating that so i think that that they gave us they just gave us a little bit more confidence to be more bold with yeah. that and and yeah. to talk about it a little bit more but you know how we were talking about telling stories and, and thinking about different ways of telling our story that that kind of all fitted into that as well wasn't mm. it it was like oh well we'll just we'll tell our story in more different ways we'll have an audio version of the program and we'll have yeah. 360 degree cameras of sight and it, it 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 was just helping us tell our story in different ways and that that might have been making it more accessible to some people but also that that a lot of the kind of things that uh, a family need in order to engage we always went into it with the idea that we didn't want to be prescriptive that families are so different and they want to do things in very different ways and some families want to sit back and not fully take part and play and create like me i don't mm. want to do any crafting i'd rather stand you don't my, really want to be in the middle of the jelly five I don't, i'd rather stand with a cup of tea but yes <laughs> yeah. i'll engage in a dance workshop yeah. or mm. whatever or i'll sing uh, badly but i'll sing <laughs> um and that that is very different for different families yeah. and so just giving people the opportunity to engage on their terms was yeah. always quite important to us wasn't it that it wasn't prescriptive and, and we wouldn't and i think just the difference in is in language in that we wouldn't have called that being accessible mm, although we yeah. were being accessible it was kind of accidental and I think you know as time's gone on we've certainly done more work more deliberate work on that we've had some funding from Paul Hamlin a couple of years ago um, to do some nice work around the Lost Carnival which is partly about different ways of telling that those stories having different formats of stories having uh, social stories uh, kind of just image based telling the story just through images but also um, our access manager Callum made story boxes for some families which was kind of above and beyond where he um, packaged up some items that would represent some elements of the story and then uh, delivered them in a mysterious fashion to people's houses so that then they got this I think think they were charming little suitcases they were charming Mm. little suitcases and then they would knock on the door and then they would open the door and there would be this charming little suitcase Mm. and then they would explore the items in it with those families and the families that he engaged in that project with the feedback that they gave when their children came to the event was above and beyond you know they lot there's so many stories of people saying we couldn't have come to this event if we hadn't had the support mm. that we had from wild Dumpus, or my child has never engaged in a story before has never recognized a character or seemed to understand a concept and we could tell that they did you know i think some yeah. of those individual stories mm. have been 
Really oh powerful. yeah, yeah, and they're incredible, aren't they? And things like podcasts, but also think for just so we create a CD and we send out to all of the audience this CD of which will have uh, a track by most of the bands who are playing on the main mm. stage. And some of that is because of that familiarity that kids like to feel familiar with things, and you know, you listen to things over and over and over again. But but that, that builds up a, a and and all those kind of things. You don't feel like actually you just you're helping other people access it who want to access things you know th- more through audio or more visually or mm. um yeah it feels like social media has been really important for you as well and oh, you mentioned yeah, facebook hugely, earlier and, yeah. and instagram earlier with uh, mm, brazil so, yeah uh, sorry pinterest mm. you know how has that been how how important has that been in terms of development of like hugely in that we as we said we had no budget in the first year we marketed ourselves entirely through social media i think we, we were a really there was some sort of sweet spot there wasn't yeah. there in terms of social media and the plurif- pl- proliferation <laughs> of it <laughs> <laughs> um that you know a, a decade earlier no and everybody no would have been on it edu- <laughs> and mm. people wouldn't have been on it and it wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to have that reach yeah. and a decade later where we are now mm. you would have to have media spend there in yeah. order to sponsor boost posts sponsored advertising yeah. on social and we hit to get this, to the audience yeah and we and we, hit this yeah. point where there was yeah. a moment where social media was more egalitarian and uh, it was it was much easier to create that organic growth in yeah. an audience that is just it wouldn't be possible now and it wouldn't have been possible before. Yeah, I for sure. You know, in terms of that mm-hmm. hitting the right moment. And and maybe we would have found other ways, you know. Maybe we'd have been out there flyering. Yeah. And, you know, we did do other things as well. Yeah. But social but it media did, was yeah. definitely the way we found our And audience. I think one of the things is we started with just so it was an annual event. We only see people once a year, mm. you know we have to speak to them all year and that's our, that was initially our one touch point and you know and we have a really loyal audience um which was a loyal just so audience which is now a loyal wild rumpus audience who'll yeah. come to our events so they might see us three or four times a year but that's probably as much as mm. it's going to be but we want to talk to them all the time and you know and 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 we do and social media is the way that we and is that how you get a lot that. of that feedback you were talking about about the individual stories is that how they yes, come to you either that yeah, or by yeah. email yeah, yeah for sure yeah. Um, all sorts of different ways but it was always a conversation wasn't it i think you know because because of that fact that it kind of grew out of friends and friends of friends and that kind of thing you know you'd see something cool on the internet and you'd want to share it. and it was the stuff that we would share with each other going wow look at this isn't this it we share we'll that with it, our yeah, audience so it always felt a bit of a conversation and they'd go yeah that's brilliant have you seen this yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. it's always felt like a conversation yeah i think the just so audience in particular feel like they know us personally yeah 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 that's important actually that it, you, there's a sort of public face to the whole thing you know yeah like, i think it was it always yeah. was with just so i'm not i'm not I feel like it's less sure. a, it's it less of yeah. Less of a thing with our with our other events. Yeah, just. and we're doing and we're doing this international forest festival called Timber uh, in July this year, um, in the national forest in the Midlands, and I think that that's definitely less of a thing. Yeah, but that's maybe more because the forest is centre stage, isn't it? It's yeah, not about forest the woods. is the thing. Yeah. And just looking to the future, then, mm. um, you know, where do you? I mean, you've done Brazil and New Zealand now. The the global tour is yeah. on. Is that? Do you want to do more of that, or does that feel? You know, is that, is that what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Try yeah. and take it as, as far as wide as you can? I think we'll probably 
wait and see who else comes to us. You know, we have every now and again, I we get we an email from a... And we don't have, we don't really have time to go out there and look for, no. for stuff, do we? So it just depends on who... And want it to come to us, yeah. and then it's going to be driven by them, and, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing a little bit more international stuff, and... Um, Anywhere yeah. in particular you'd love to go? I'd like to go to Canada. Yeah, Mexico. Oh, Mexico. Yeah, that would be a good one. I think. Why those two places? I, think, <laughs> I don't know. Canada because of the forests and yeah. the, and the, and the landscape and just never been. Yeah, I feel like Mexico. Mexico just looks warm, like warm, <laughs> but also but also like colourful. Like yes. I, lo- I love the aesthetic yeah. of it. Yes. All about yeah. I've been to Mexico. I can, actually. I can, ima- I can imagine it place. looking pretty special. Yeah. Um, I think my parents who look after my children while I go on these far-flung adventures <laughs> would prefer it to be a little closer to home. <laughs> yeah. Europe, maybe. <laughs> a shorter yeah. flight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but apart from that, I think we used to do lots of plans. We used to do three-year plans, mm. five-year mm. plans. We kind of went through this phase of, you know, trying to nail down strategy for where we'd be. Because that's what you think a proper business should do. Yeah, mm. for sure. Um, <laughs> and I think that as time has gone on, we have recognised that that is not the way that we work. It, it makes no so sense. Have you got rid of that altogether? Then yeah. that sort of yeah. long term like, planning. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's no just it's, all, it's immediately obsolete. We go mm. off on a whim the next week. And it's <laughs> you go for a two hour walk. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, exactly. It's all some, like the or someone comes to you with a brilliant mm. project or an idea and says, "Do you want to do this?" And that's and, how we want it to be. So in, and you fall in love with that idea. So and then we you can't, can't not yeah. do it. So I think we're kind of in the position where you know we've got some big touch points through the year that we know will happen. That. Deadlines. We hope we'll pay the bills that you know that we'll kind of keep it all ticking over, and try and leave enough space in there that someone comes to us with a great story mm. that we can run with that. And I also think it's a little bit now, as much as kind of telling our story and doing our projects, it's, it's about being a part of other people's as well. You know, some of that artist development mm. stuff that we've talked about here. I think we really love sharing the you know what we've got here at, at the Whirly Gig in the Woods with other people and part that that can play in other people developing their own creative ideas uh, is it's a really exciting thing and mm. i think we're pretty you know it's probably come across but we're quite evangelical about the way we work and working outdoors and those kind of open conversations and that being quite different from how people might often work i think mm. um and i think even in the arts i think that's somehow times quite different from how work is developed and i think like sarah said kind of bringing people here and hopefully kind of bringing them into that world and making them potentially develop their work in a new way or if yeah or think of a new collaboration and a project that you could do together or you know it's bringing those different voices together so that you create new and exciting ideas Mm. (laughs) oh i sound excited don't i (laughs) i'm really like what's the next idea (laughs) Right, I've got a couple of questions to finish with that I'm asking everyone. But before I ask you yeah. those, I just remembered I have to ask you about the TED Talk. You're doing oh, the yes, TED Talk, right? You are. made it. Yeah. I think everyone, deep down, everyone, everyone wants to Ted, do the TED, TED Talk, don't TEDx. TEDx. TEDx, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. But come on. Yeah. It's going to have TED in red letters yeah. behind you. Yeah. It's yeah. a TED Talk. Let's, yeah. Not, yeah. let's not you know, do it down. Yeah. So how did that come about? And have you got more to say than, I don't know, I hope I've got more to say than I don't know. We're quite nervous, aren't we? Um, well, ne- mo- I'm mostly nervous because of real life this week. I mean, I kind of always have known that I've got quite a bad memory. Hmm. I know that I've got quite a bad memory. That's the thing. But this week, I've realised quite how poor I am at memorising. Mm. 
yeah because no because normally if we were doing public speaking we would i mean i wouldn't prepare at all mm. sarah would prepare more than me but no you know no. i'm not a fan of public voice. speaking yeah. actually i hate mm. talking in front um, of people but you know but we do it quite a lot don't we considering yeah. that but but we certainly would never have a script no. Would, so so it's, no, no, it's no. quite a different. The process is. So is I've it, got, is it very I've got a really scripted? bad habit. Yes, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I've got a really bad habit when we're talking because that whole thing about that constant conversation. I've got a bit of a habit of thinking. I know what she's saying. I'll just switch off, <laughs> and I start thinking about something else. And so then I come in and I say yeah, exactly, exactly what she exactly just what said because I, I haven't yeah. actually been listening yeah, yeah. to her at all. And so have they told you that it has to be scripted? Or yeah. You've decided, oh, okay. Yeah. There's quite. Yeah. There's quite. So do you have to submit the script before? hand and stuff yeah. yeah 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 so it's been quite a kind of process of working with them of sending them drafts and that kind okay, of thing okay so the challenge so then is to memorize it, it. so mm. now we've got to it's memorize a big, it it's a big we've challenge we've got a week but yeah no we're talking about uh, that working outdoors thing about right. um, working in the woods and how it changes our conversation mm. which is why I'm really pleased that was so eloquent about it <laughs> <earlier>. <laughs> more ambitious yeah. and um, so are you looking forward to it or are you a little bit nervous about it I am dreading it yeah, I just want it over and done with actually at all yeah I'm looking forward to having had done it. Yes. Is that the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And when is it? I'm looking forward Next. to seeing other people's talks, actually. Yeah. Right, yeah. I think there's some other good ones on, yeah. the, on the list. So Next be Saturday. Do you know where you are on the on the list? Are you first up or are no, you... No, second to last. Second to, oh, that's yeah. good. So you'll be able to ease into it a bit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. Yeah. yeah. No, it's be, no, it's going to be good. Yeah. So there are three questions I'd like to finish with that I'm asking everyone, basically, who I talk to and we've touched the first one we've touched on it quite a bit in what we we're just talking about you know the kind of where the creative ideas come from when to get when you're together so when you walk in or outdoors but the question the first one is do you have like a a daily individual sort of routine that allows you to be the most creative or uh, there's something that you that you do every day that you think that you need to do to be ready to to do what you do if you see what i mean like a, mm. what do you do first thing in the morning or yeah. how you get ready for the day basically There's that thing isn't there? Is it was it confucius about tidying your mat before mm. you start the day that that kind of idea and not, not so much i'm mostly quite erratic I, and i quite need a list and a bit of a schedule but i think one of the things that we talk about about being in the woods is that it makes you slow down you get here and there's some setting up to do you know you, especially through the winter you know we you have to put the log burner on mm. light the fire sometimes defrost the tap so you can get water <laughs> for the kettle it, it, it slows it slows you down and actually i think although sometimes you think oh god this is a pain it it, it, it forces st- you to take stock a little to, bit to before slow you down start, a little yeah. bit and think i think especially it. when you come you know i come from getting the kids ready to school doing the school run managing to drop them off at the end of the day i've got kind of you know get to after school club pick them up got to be there on time never there on time um it feel it's important to have just have that moment that kind of gap of just mm. like and so when you get here yeah. you actually do something sort of practical to sort of yeah, yeah but which we just kind of have, which we you just have, kind of to, have do. to do you have yeah. to do but, but i think that i think that it's healthy to do it for sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um when you look back at everything um and this could be it doesn't have to be necessarily about what you're doing here this could be I guess because we're talking to the two of you, it probably makes sense if it is. But if is the one when you look back, it doesn't have to be about, you know, it being the most successful in terms of financially or you know anything like that. But what is the thing that you look back and, and are sort of most proud of when you look back over the whole thing? What do you think? You know, we really sort of did it right there. I think the festival I is the probably festival, the yeah. thing. The festival is probably yeah. That the first festival. 
No, no like, like, like where it is, where it's getting it no. to where it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how it's yeah. got to where it is and the, the path, in, the way in which it's developed and and that, yeah. I think um, it all sounds a little bit commercial, doesn't it, when you're from an arts organisation <laughs> world, but there's something about the brand and the brand identity that I think I'm really yeah. proud to be involved with mm. and aligned with. There's, I feel like, it, yeah, that that identity that that the organisation has, yeah, yeah, is. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I think I think the thing is, it just feels like such a. I think one of the reasons why we're as as proud of the festival is partly because it was our first thing and it's the, the kind of where it came from, mm. but also it feels very established, and I feel kind of an optimism that the things that are kind of younger mm. in their lifespan at the moment will get to that point. I think it's quite a kind of, yeah, optimistic that Timber mm. Festival yeah. and the fest the international festivals in, you know, sitting here in five years' time might be, uh, you know, as established and feel like, you know, we said earlier that that feels like coming home. Mm. And I don't think we would well. be who we would be without being here either. So maybe that kind of decision to come here to the woods mm. to work... Which really kind of has done that honing our sense of self. Yeah, still, yeah, is really important, and yeah, yeah. But uh, I think we maybe didn't realise quite how big and important a decision it was at the time, but it has been. Yeah. And the last question: um, this can be anything, so it could be a book or box set, or what? What is it that you're enjoying or into at the moment, like? creative thing that it's like a you know it could, as i say it could be a book or what are you reading or watching or listening to right now i excited am about. reading every word that robert mcfarlane has ever <laughs> written and if we could have a patron saint <laughs> i think we might take some of those american transcendentalists you know like thoreau or whitman or emerson or someone but yeah. right now in terms of living people who capture the spirit of the wild and the outdoors and nature and the poetic way he tells those stories i um yeah and his twitter feed is brilliant i'm not even a twitter fan i don't even go on it apart from to look at what robin mcfarland's on <laughs> what um, his word of the day is <laughs> yeah and so and so at timber festival this july he's coming and speaking to us and tell, uh, telling us about uh, the tracks that he would take to the wilderness um and uh yeah, I think that's gonna be a highlight of the year. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe you've stolen Robin McFarlane. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have him. Um I'm trying to think what I'm into at the minute. I am quite loving there's like a little kind of gang of artists, none of whose name I can remember because I've got a terrible memory for names, <laughs> but who um make mad costumes. So there's a woman called Elena something and another guy called Jean Paul something. Um who are kind of taking inspiration from crazy like African masks and stuff, but then they're like making really detailed, intricate, embroidered, crazy masks and costumes. And I am like on a bit of an internet wormhole at the moment where I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. following. You've gone down one of those rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm in love with them. I can't remember the name. So are they going to be at the festival? Mm. No, they are completely separate from our work. They're just <laughs> yeah, what I'm into. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to me. Sarah. Thank, Thank you. you.